Welcome to the Grab the Map podcast, where we don't just look at it, we grab the map. So excited to be talking to you on episode two of the Grab the Map podcast. And I'm so excited about this being the second episode. That means that we actually committed to doing more than one. And uh, in episode one, we talked about how if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. I thought I'd take some time in our second episode to tell you about my own personal story. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can always get in touch with me by shooting an email over to grabthemap at gmail.com. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to connect with you. Uh, Not trying to sell you anything. I'm just interested in networking with other investors. And I'm interested in helping other investors and interested in being helped by other investors. So feel free to reach out to me. I answer every email that comes to grabthemap at gmail.com. My own story really could be summed up as an adventure. Um, I'm three years into my investing career, and uh, I'm a family man. Uh, I have a full-time career in a professorship at a university, and uh, I am married to one wife. She'd be happy to know that. Uh, And I've got two kids, uh, five and seven years old. So we're in that busy stage of life where we're trying to grow them up um, as well. Uh, My wife is very passively involved in our real estate investing business. Uh, She is, of course, a financial partner and also a strategic partner as she uh, gives her advice about certain investments that I make. Um, But ultimately, we really wanted to grow uh, the wealth of our family so that we could um, have some of the experiences in life that money requires, um, but also so that we could be philanthropic in nature and be more giving to our local church, uh, be more giving to uh, the community around us. Um, And we really Um, took the time to think about our why as we got started with this business. Um, Being working professionals um, helps a whole lot um, in establishing ourselves with the bank and in being able to take care of our um, daily bread needs. Um, But growing wealth, it looked like, was going to be much more uh, difficult. And it looked like it was going to be something that required us to either increase our income or to change how we were saving. And so uh, I want you to know that it's important that you guys have a why. It's important that you know uh, your context, your background, that you're making decisions in light of your family, and that you're thinking about how your decisions will impact your family. Um, I know a lot of guys are excited about jumping into real estate and they're excited about buying a whole bunch of properties and managing a whole bunch of properties or flipping a whole bunch of properties. But it's important to think up front about how that's going to impact your ability to to serve your family and to serve your community, to serve your church, um, how it's going to change the way that you interact with your world. Because ultimately, we do all of this stuff um, in terms of real estate investing to be able to give back to our community, to be able to participate in our community and to um, enjoy our life, right? So important to plan out your why in advance and your purpose in advance. Um, And I wanted to share those things with you. My story really starts with the first house that my wife and I bought when we got married at 19 years old. We bought a house that you're supposed to buy when you get married, right? You're supposed to have two kids and you're supposed to have a house. 
And that's like the American dream. And so we went and we found a real estate agent and we bought a house in Mississippi, a little uh, area of Jackson, Mississippi. And we didn't negotiate. We didn't uh, try to get the house for lower. Uh, we liked the house. It was cute. It was beautiful. It was brick. It was our first house and it was in a good location um, or so we thought after driving by it a couple of times. And we closed on our house and the first day we painted it and we did all these things that you're supposed to do when you have a house, like buy furniture on credit cards and completely furnish the house in two weeks, right? Microwaves and refrigerators and washers and dryers. Um, our first real estate investment, we paid full price and we did it really cluelessly just looking at what the society says that you're supposed to do when you get married. And we stayed in that house for about a year. That tells you how much we thought about why we should buy it or whether or not it was going to be a good investment. And so when we got ready to sell that very first house, guess what? We couldn't because we had paid what it was worth. And a year later, um, it was worth about the same, but we didn't put any money down. I mean, we found a, a, a bank that would do a zero down loan. This was in 2007, I believe. And uh, I mean, we didn't have a whole lot of equity. And so we were kind of forced into being landlords and we kept the house and we did. The only thing we knew that would help us cover the mortgage payment is we listed it on Craigslist and we found a renter, somebody that had the security deposit and had the down pay, had the, uh, the, the monthly rent and seemed nice enough when we met them and we stuck them in the house. Now, some of you can imagine how this could have gone, but luckily for us, our first experience was fine. We didn't have a whole lot of problems with our tenant. And we were living out of state in Louisiana at that point, and we just collected our monthly rent and we used it to pay our mortgage. And we did that for a couple of years, and, and then the tenant changed, and we found another tenant. It was a military family, and we put another tenant in there, and things went okay for another year or two. And the last tenant that we had uh, really was the worst, but even then, most of the time we got our rent towards the front half of the month when our mortgage was due and we used that to pay the the mortgage. And if something went wrong at the house, we asked the tenants to call a, a contractor and we had them fix it and send us the bill or take our credit card. And that's how our first investment went. Um, and that property uh, performed okay, but we, we really weren't creating a whole lot of equity. I mean, we were paying a property uh, off that we had put 0% down on that we didn't really get a good deal on and really were just breaking even with the payments every month. Um, and so in Louisiana, the house that we bought there, uh, we did a, a similar thing where we bought the house at retail and uh, only stayed in it a couple of years. And then oop, it was time to move again. And we figured, hey, we can't sell for this profit and we might have to bring money to closing. And at that time, we didn't know about flipping houses or improving houses. We just knew we didn't have a whole lot of money to, to put into the property so that it would sell at a, at a premium price. And so we did the same thing again. We put another tenant in that house when we moved. Um, and we've kind of repeated that as we um, moved for work and just career advancement as we decided as a young family where it would be a good idea to live. And uh, 
some good things happened and some bad things happened. Um, but I wanted you to know that those were kind of our first deals. And so the thing I like about real estate is that it can be very forgiving. Um, even though we didn't find deals for those first two houses, it really worked out to where those first two houses gave us a framework for how we would accept money from tenants, how would we communicate with tenants, and how we would uh, manage the properties while they were living in them. And so when we moved uh, to Mississippi the final time, and when we uh, got in a market that really had a good uh, rental market, it really had high rents and low property prices, um, a community where families want to live and where um, there's some industry coming in. Uh, we'll talk later on on this podcast, I'm sure, about how to find good deals and, and things like that. But um, when we got there, we already had a background. And so all it took at that point was to start finding good deals and start finding properties that would break even um, do more than break even properties that would make us money if we bought them every month. So funny story about my first, what I call my real first investment property is that it was an owner finance deal. I know if you Google that term, you'll hear a lot about seller financing or owner financing. And my very first true investment property purchase was an owner finance deal. Um, I know if you listen to some of the veteran guys on the podcast, they'll talk to you about how there's a lot of amateurs out here that are doing things like just contacting sellers on uh, for sale by owner signs or contacting sellers on Zillow or these places and just saying, hey, will you owner finance me your property? Um, and they say that that's not a good strategy because you, you lose the lead. But that's how I got my first one. I saw a seller on Craigslist. He was trying to sell a single family house. It's a four bedroom, two bath house. Um, and I just texted him and said, hey, look, I'm trying to get into real estate. I'd love to own or finance your property if you're willing. And he responded. And of course, this wasn't the first guy, but I'm kind of keeping the story a little short for the sake of our podcast, because I know you all are busy and you've got a lot to do. Um, but yeah, he responded and said, hey, I, I was owner. I was seller finance my property. And he said, I'll take fifteen hundred down. And this is my purchase price. And we went straight ahead from there to a closing attorney a few a few days later. I gave him $1,500 and uh, the attorney did all of the paperwork. And that is one of the properties in our portfolio today that's still performing extremely well. Um, it's rented for $1,200 a month. Our purchase price on that house was $82,000. And uh, it's just performing really well for us. Um, and so, you know, I've had a few more seller finance deals from there. Um, and that um, strategy has worked out for me on some other deals. Uh, I've got an eight unit apartment building in Texas that is owner financed. And I found that deal in a similar fashion, just by looking for sellers, contacting the seller and trying to find out why they're selling and if them holding the note instead of me getting a bank loan would actually be something that they're willing to do. Um, and so, you know, my first few deals, um, because I had no money, um, had to be something that I could, uh, something that I could get by having the owner carry the paper, which is to talk about something else, right? In my story, um, I have a background where my, 
uh, parents were not extremely wealthy. They provided for us wonderfully and got us through school and continue to be great supports of me and my brother and my sister's uh, efforts at growing into adulthood. Um, but we weren't extremely wealthy. I mean, I didn't inherit a dime from my parents. I um, I am uh, a college graduate, um, as are my brother and my sister. Um, but that was all based on us working extremely hard and being blessed and being fortunate to have parents that support supported us through school. Um, but when it comes to real estate investing and the portfolio that that um, I built along with my wife and with with the support of God, um, really, um, we didn't have a whole lot of money. I mean, a lot of what we have done has been through sweat equity. And what I mean by sweat equity is that I have been out talking to sellers. I've been out meeting with sellers. I've been making offers on probably 20 to 30 properties a week. And that sounds crazy until it works, right? I'm talking to a few people right now that are getting started with their real estate businesses. And that's one of the things that I ask them up front. It's like, how many offers are you making? You tell me there's no deals. How many offers have you made? Because until you initiate the conversation directly to a seller and make them an offer, you don't know whether there's a deal possible. And I can't tell you how many deals that I've, how many offers that I've made and deals that I thought weren't possible, but I just reached out and made the offer and it started a conversation. We were eventually able to meet at a number that worked for my business and that worked for that seller. Um, so that was a little tangent, but I was really trying to get us to talking about how you can get started without having a whole lot of money if you're willing to do the work. My family also was one of those families where we um, didn't necessarily have a whole lot of experience dealing with bankers and the credit system. Borrowing money was taboo in our household. And uh, now, of course, we borrow as much money as we can get our hands on at reasonable rates. Um, and I tell you, it's very important that you work on not just establishing a portfolio, but establishing a mindset where you're able to bust through some of the barriers that you might have mentally in growing a portfolio. Growing fast takes a ton of work. It takes a ton of work. And um, I went from somebody who had this aversion to borrowing money and thought that the only debt that you could get into was bad debt, like buying furniture for your house or uh, paying with credit cards and, and having car payments to thinking that you could actually borrow money that would help you grow your rental portfolio and eventually help you grow the amount of cash that comes into your household every month. But that takes a mindset change. I mean, I have never in my life until about a year ago been in the part of the bank where they give you water when you come in or they give you a drink or they take you on a tour or they negotiate with you on the interest rate you're going to pay. But that world exists and it exists once you start to change your mindset about the purpose of the banks and you understand that the banks have to lend money in order to 
uh, stay in business and that they just want to find good deals and good borrowers and you have to make yourself look like you are a good borrower and that you have a good deal. Needless to say, um, I've started my portfolio primarily um, with $15,000. I had $15,000 and I'm giving you the specifics because I want you to understand that you can start a business. Um, We're currently um, approaching about 80 doors and our goal this year is to reach 100 doors. I know everybody talks about their number of doors and that sort of thing, but I want want you to understand that we've probably recycled that same $15,000 about 50 times to get to the 80 doors. And you can do research. We'll talk about it a little bit more in future episodes um, about the Burr strategy. But it's possible if you're willing to work to buy a property that costs $15,000 to use a a $15,000 credit line to fix that property up and to have that property be worth, you know, $50,000 to $60,000 in the markets that I invest um, and to be able to pull all of your initial investment back out of that property and have that property rent for $850 a month, thereby cash flowing two to $300 a month on a 15-year repayment schedule. Imagine what it cash flows on a 30-year repayment schedule. So it is possible to create cash flow. It is possible to create it with uh, what I would call a, a lower amount of money for getting involved in real estate. But I tell you, some of the first houses that I did, I, I laid the flooring. I changed out the fixtures. I did the painting. I changed out the electrical outlets. I painted the kitchen countertops. I cleaned out the trash out of the properties. There was some sweat that went involved. um, And all of this was alongside a full-time job. So getting uh, what you want as fast as we've done with a limited amount of money takes a ton of work. um, But I don't want you to think that it's not possible. I think a lot of people think it's not possible. But what you're really saying is that you're not willing to do the work that it takes to grow a portfolio um, as fast as as you might want to. And there are all kinds of ways to get involved in real estate. There's all types of ways to grow fast. Um, But I want you to know that if you're going to grow fast, if you're going to build a rental portfolio, it's not going to all be rosy and that it's going to take a ton of work and that if you're willing to do it, it will pay off, especially if you do things like Find a mentor, find a coach, especially if you do things like getting educated before you make decisions um, that you bounce things off of. I have five people in my circle that I bounce things off of all the time, and uh, I'm always bouncing things off of them so that I can make sure that I'm on the right track. And if they tell me, hey, look, you need to take another look at that, then I take another look at it. And there's been times where I haven't bought properties or where I've done something a different way based on their feedback. Um, So have that circle of people around you that can help you make decisions if you're planning to grow fast. Um, How do I find deals? Well, like I said, the best way to find a deal on real estate where you can find a property that you can buy it cheap enough to fix it up, sell it to somebody else for profit, or fix it up and hold on to it as a rental with very little of your own money in the deal, is to talk directly to sellers. If you're trying to go to, through real estate agents, you are going to find less deals. 
If you're trying to um, look on the MLS where all the properties are listed, you're not going to find as many deals. What has been successful for me is if I can get in conversation with the actual owner of the property that's trying to sell, a lot of times we can find a common ground and we can meet somewhere where I can have enough uh, I can have enough uh, money left over in equity to renovate the property and hold on to it or where I can have enough equity where I could sell the property for a profit. I don't steal properties from owners. I don't steal properties from sellers and I don't try to weasel them out of their properties. I know that that's taught in a lot of places, but I tell you that if you establish a reputation as somebody who creates win-wins for you and your seller, um, you'll get a lot more deals done. I've gotten a lot of deals lately just from sellers who had a good interaction with me, who have come back and sold me a second property or who have told me, um, about told one of their friends about the experience they had with us buying property. And we've been able to pick up more properties from those same sellers. So try to create a win-win between you and your sellers. What am I learning uh, at this point in my story? Um, I've told you what my portfolio looks like. I've uh, Maybe I should be a little bit more clear that we're uh, really uh, interested in single family houses. Those just seem to uh, be the best for us. They have the the lowest amount of turnover, and uh, there we haven't had a whole lot of problems renting those. Um, but we do have some duplexes at this point. We've got a couple of triplexes. Um, we've got a four unit. We've got a seven unit. We've got a couple of eight units. And so our portfolio is really diversified in the types of units that we have. Um, I currently self-manage my properties along with a team of people in both of these markets. And uh, that's been a learning experience. I'm still learning and I'm still growing about how I'm going to, uh, I'm still learning about how I'm going to manage these properties um, in an effective way. Um, the team that I currently have consists of uh, a very part-time assistant who helps me list properties, who helps me pay contractors, who helps me uh, stay organized. And then I have a, a, a pretty much full-time handyman who helps me respond to service calls and helps me uh, work on new projects that we acquire that need some renovation. And we also bring in 1099 contractors for those projects where we, we do need to do some renovation. Um, the thing that I'm learning most of all is that although um, growing fast is a lot of times what we want to do, it may not always be uh, the best thing to do. And if, of course, if I go back and I look at you know my work on growing a portfolio um, to about 80 units in about three years, um, I wouldn't trade anything right for for the world. And so I think it's one of those things a lot of times where you look at your progress and you're so happy you did it. Um, but you also want to think about how you educate others. And so as we talk um, today, uh, just for a few more minutes about how growing fast takes a ton of work, I want you to remember that growing fast is not necessarily um, something that you have to do. Um, it can be uh, a wonderful thing to look in the rearview mirror and say, how much have we grown? How much more income are we making? How are these properties benefiting our future family wealth creation. 
but it also can be damaging along the way. There are things that can happen along the way that can uh, take your time. Uh, there are mistakes that you can make that can lose you a lot of money. Um, there are uh, uh, relationships that you can that you can destroy along the way. And so think fast and think long about whether or not you want to grow fast because it does take a ton of work and it can take a toll. And I've just been very fortunate to be looking in the rearview mirror of some of the fastest growth that I expect us to to do. We're still actively purchasing properties, um, but we're not nearly um, as actively purchasing as we have building up to the the place where we are now. Um, Growing fast takes a ton of work. I hope this podcast helped you um, think about your own story. And if you want to hear more about my story, continue to listen to our podcast. Please subscribe to the Grab the Map podcast. Um, If you want to reach me and have some individual conversations or uh, just email chats, I respond to every email at grabthemap at gmail.com. I wanted to uh, make sure for time's sake that I didn't go too um, far in this podcast, but I did want to share a little bit about my story with you and I'll share lots more as we continue uh, with this podcast. Please subscribe. Please share this uh, podcast with a friend. Please review this podcast in whatever platform that you're listening to it in. Thank you for listening to the Grab the Map podcast, where we don't just look at the map, we grab the map.